Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome Fred Shankelberg back to the podcast. Welcome back, Fred. Hey, good to be here, James. And, and this is the first time we've got a video feed going. So this is kind of a, a nice bonus we got going here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Fred, I want to pick your brain. All right. I want to pick your brain about a topic that I know we may have controversial opinions on. Uh, but before we get into that, can you uh, give people a basic introduction of yourself, what you do, all those great things? Well, um, um, Fred, just call me Fred. And I tell that to anybody because my last name's hard, hard enough for me to spell. And um, I'm a reliability engineer and management consultant. And but primarily these days, I'm running AscendoReliability.com, which is really a, well, I was just telling you, James, as we were, we've posted 10 articles last week and 10 podcast episodes last week went out through the platform. And so we, it's a, a site for many voices to share their thoughts and ideas and, and knowledge with the rest of our peers. And so it's, um, I think we're close to 45, almost 50 overall contributors of which you were one of the er very early ones. So, and you've been with us pretty much from the start. Um, but it continues to grow, continues to evolve and we get lots of great content uh, every week going out on it. So that's, what's keeping me busy most of the days. All right. Excellent. Yeah. And you guys have resources from anything from product reliability to asset management to HazOps to FMEAs, you name it. If it touches reliability in one way, shape or form, it is there. Yep, pretty much. And you're a big part of making sure that content's there. You've, you've been producing content for years for it. Yep, I enjoy it, trying to share and get different perspectives. And yep. that's what we're going to talk about today is a different perspective. It's not that so, different. I know what topic it is. It's not that different. Come on. <laughs> so let's start off by kind of talking about the metric itself. And we're, what we're going to talk about today is MTBF or mean time between failure. What is MTBF for our listeners? Just in case they may have heard the acronym, but they're not really sure what it is. It's the worst four-letter acronym in reliability. That's my definition of it. <laughs> um, I mean, literally, it's it's short for mean time between failures. And that in and of, of itself um, confuses so many people of what it means. And it gets misinterpreted and misunderstood in so many different ways. Uh, but fundamentally, it's just an average of a failure rate over some duration inverted. So if I have a, you know, 10 failures per 100 hours, I invert that and it's what, 10? I'd have an MTBF of 10. It's just an average of the inverse of a failure rate. All right. Now, why would people want to calculate what that average time between failure is or where did this come about? Well, and I've been buying old, old books and doing literature searches to find the first mention of this. And as far as I can tell, 
and I'm sure there's maybe an earlier reference to it. It was in the military, um, uh, in the big projects in the fifties and sixties, they were being put together and, and things like, uh, reliability block diagram and PERT charts and all kinds of cool innovations came out of these big projects. Um, but one of them was <clears throat> we needed a way to estimate reliability for a, a complex system. And it was much, much easier to assume the exponential distribution because then you could add the failure rates. It's just a, a, a feature of the exponent function. And it allowed them to add. And they had mechanical adders that facilitated doing addition. But if you wanted to raise it to a power or you wanted to do more complicated functions, it took a lot of time to do those calculations. So it got kind of adopted as a way to get a rough idea of what your system's reliability was. And, and then it just took on a life of its own. And even though, even in the earliest records, it said, it stated, this is not accurate. This is a rough, vague approximation. And don't use it to forecast, <laughs> you know, things yeah. like that. It still is. And so why it's used, why it, or where it came from was this early need to do calculations and estimates that were otherwise very tedious to do. And using the tools of the day, that's what they did. Now, for important parts of the projects and, and important uh, aspects of a system, there was still accelerated testing and there was still physics of failure modeling. I mean, a lot of that stuff was invented about that time also or used at that time. But over the years, MTBF and MTTF and MT whatever is propagated because it's dirt simple to do. Yep. And you think you, you're making progress when you're really not. So, And, and that's one of the things. So, I like how you called out, even in the early definitions, it was not meant for the forecast and various other things, but yet continuously, even up to yesterday, I was asked about using MTBF to monitor a complex systems reliability and then how we're using that to pro proactively look at reviewing the maintenance program to it or spares holding and all these other things based off that approximation. Yeah. And I, I got a similar question. Might have been from one of your team. I don't know. <laughs> How do you calculate it for a system reliability for a complex system? But they had a twist. They added, if I add, if I multiply the failure rates by the cost, no, if I multiply the MTBF numbers by the cost of the spare of the spare or the repair action, uh, would that give me a, an estimate of the cost to maintain it? Like, no, not at all. It's, so I mean, I remember one of our episodes we talked about the um, a study that looked at various strategies. You know, so if you've got something that's got early life failures, don't replace it on schedule. If you got yep. something that's going to wear out, replace it before the risk of its failure gets too high. If you have something that has a relatively flat or or a constant failure rate, which by the way rarely exists in reality. Yep. Um, you just wait till it fails and you replace it because you don't get any advantage in these three strategies. Well, the issue is, is that it's easy to say, oh, I assume that it's a, a constant failure rate or in the flat part of the bathtub curve or 
I don't, I have mixed data. I'm looking at a complex system and I've got bearings are failing. I got a compressor that's failing. I got some seals that are failing. And when you add all that all up together and I have some installation issues that creeped into there. And when you mush it all together and look at it as that piece of equipment, it looks fairly constant, but it's not. Every one of those failures is not. Exactly. It's different failure modes. And as a result, it muddles the entire thing. What does that MTBF tell me? Nothing. Nothing. The other thing about MTBF is that it's the mean, right? So one way I often try to describe it is that, um, you know, pick a a number, 50,000 MTBF, 50,000 hours MTBF. Now that on the face of it, that sounds pretty good. If you say, all right, there's like 10,000 hours in a year, I think it's closer to 8,000 something, but 10,000 a year, that's five years. On average, I should have one failure per five years, except there's an infinite number of ways that you can have failures occur that all equal 50,000 hours. So they could all, all of your failures for that whole population could occur in the first three months. But then the last failure in that population doesn't occur for 47 years. You still get 50,000 hour MTBF or, you know, they all fail exactly at 50,000 hours. And well, that's a, you know, whatever number that is divided, that's an average, right? But you can calculate an average with all kinds of weird numbers or weird combinations to get there. So it's missing, what's the pattern? What's the variability of this expected time to failure? It's only half of what you need to know, you know? So if you're running a factory and you got a piece of equipment that's expensive, right? And it's clearly a wear out mechanism, so the chance of failure early in its life is very, very low. Why would you carry a spare? Right? I mean, it's part. It's more complicated than that, but it's it's basically why would I use an average value to calculate how many spares I need today, and then vice versa. Later, when this machine gets older, it's going to underestimate how many spares I need. Yep. I could calculate MTBF all along, and I'll either have too many spares or too few spares because I'm not accounting for the variability of what's going on. It's just an yeah. average. That's it. It's an average, like you said, for a complex system. And the challenge with that complex system is, you already mentioned it, there's hundreds of components, and every one of those components can fail a hundred different ways, which could be infant mortality, it could be random, it could be wear out, it could be a rapid wear out or a gradual wear out, all these things happen. And MTBF in a complex system doesn't tell me a single thing. Because if I got low MTBF and I got to fix my PMs, where, where do I start of these hundreds of components? It makes zero sense to use this as some sort of metric in terms of a system, an asset level, to monitor performance and improvement. It doesn't help. Well, it's... I mean, some people make the argument that it's used in calculating availability, right? If you know your average time to failure and you know your average repair rate, you can use, you can calculate availability. But that is only from a design perspective if we're looking at inherent availability. Right. And that's in a perfect simulation. It's not even that. It's the gross assumption of it because the time to failure is a distribution, and we can empirically calculate it for multiple failure mechanisms. Say, here's the pattern of failures we're seeing, and here's the pattern of repair times we're seeing. We can use distribution. Say, what's the chance our run will work for six hours or 60 hours? What's the probability of failure? 
it, using MTBF, it's so far off in the weeds that it's not relevant for the time periods we're interested in. It's yeah. it, it's and, not relevant to it. And in my experience, that's inherent inherent availability. Nobody measures that in the real world. They're worried about operational, which includes mean time to repair. And there's another mean we can argue about. Yeah. But then well, it also includes all those other elements that is actually what's happening in real life. Well, it was one of the things I ran into. I was working with a factory. Um, I got tricked to going to Paris. I think I told you about this one once. A buddy of mine said, hey, I got this project for you in Paris. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, sure. What is it? And it was an FMEA and some other uh, uh, modeling of their line. And then he told me it was in Texas. The nearest airport was three hours away in Dallas. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, they had amazing data. I mean, all of their systems were instrumented. They knew uh, each failure each sensor could detect various failure mechanisms. They had a pretty good idea what was failing. It was a jam or was this or whatever. It was a bottling, yep. bottling line. And they were investigating, do we add a complete second line or can we improve the availability of this line enough to meet our needs for throughput? And they wanted to do it with MTBF. And I showed them over and over again that that just was not going to get them any useful information whatsoever. And in charts and graphs and calculations and all this stuff. And the worst part of it was is they used MTBF on a shift by shift basis to on a on a on a wall sign, a big huge LED banner sign thing that said, you know, day shift got an MTBF of X. And then the, the swing shift would come in and look at that and go, all right, well, we're not going to do any preventative maintenance. We're not going to do anything else. We're not going to report anything that takes the line down. We're not going to. And Well, even a, in a packaging site or bottling site like that, are they talking meantime between failure or are they talking meantime between stoppages, which they could be a material. Yeah, it could, could be, be all material kinds issues. Of yeah. It could be all kinds of issues. No, they just calculated MTBF, even though in their database there was terabytes of data on all of the individual in incidents that created stoppages. And some of them were very, very quick. The machine would automatically reset, but it would lose a second or two. And others, they had to clear a jam and it would take, you know, 20 seconds. And sometimes they had really a bad batch of labels came in and they weren't performing. So they were down for a while. Yet it was, it was at the mercy of whatever shift enough problems piled up on that then said, we got to just fix this stuff. And, and then they were down for a while because they had this backlog from the whole week of people's deferring maintenance, deferring maintenance, because they didn't want to affect their numbers. And it wouldn't have mattered what number they were tracking. If they knew that keep it running at all costs, they were in big trouble. Uh, but more importantly, is they're trying to make this like $30 million decision based on MTBF calculations of the avail into availability for their system. And the math and the bait, most of it was that they had all of the raw data to deal with it properly. And so comparing the two, it was night and day. It fundamentally changed their decision of what direction they went and to get to their solution. Um, they would have made a you know twenty million dollar mistake if they would have done it their way. 
Yeah, and that's the challenge, though. I should have charged them a commission on that one. I always miss out on those. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out Iridicio's IBL blended learning for maintenance and reliability professionals. This SMRP accredited project-based curriculum will take you through all aspects of a maintenance and reliability program and provides you with all the tools you need to generate a 30 times return on investment for your organization and a set of credentials from the University of Tennessee for you. You can find out more at ibltraining.com. But that's the challenge is everyone is under the assumption MTBF is like this golden metric that we got to be using, we got to be tracking. But when you start diving into it, to your point, we can influence that a hundred different ways. I could have these bearings that fail within a couple days of install. But then if we install it correctly, I got these other ones that last for 10 years, 20 years. Right. So you mix are we those two start- together. Yeah, you mix yeah. the data together and you're, you're, you've muddled it up. You're stirring mud into the water. You just can't see yep. what's going on. So we end up with this MTBF of, say, 10 years. Does that mean we're going to go in and change all these bearings at year 10 or year nine and a half? What about the ones that we're not installing correctly? And when we go to replace these other ones, we're not going to install them correctly. And then we're going to have a rash of failures again. It, it's just so muddled. It is the most useless metric out there, in my opinion, for reliability stuff. Well, that's why I started off with it's the worst four-letter acronym in our business. It's it's pervasive. Now, this morning I was uh, looking through my LinkedIn account, and one of the uh, uh, – parts in my feed was a picture of a, it looked like a conference room wall uh, and a painted sign on it. And it says the worst phrase and, or the, the most dangerous phrase is, well, that's the way we've always done it. And I think there's a lot of inertia around, well, everybody else uses MTBF. Well, that's what I learned in school. Now, the better professors will tell you they use the exponential distribution in MTBF because well, one thing they'll say is that it's an easy distribution for people that are not well-versed in statistics to handle. They can deal with collecting data and doing the calculations and learn about the reliability function, the availability function, a bunch of other stuff. But then they forget to go on to the other stuff like Weibull and log normal and, or uh, mean cumulative function or other appropriate ways to analyze your data. And then the other half say, well, it's... Everybody's using it, so we have to at least educate people of what it is. Well, they should be educated of why not to use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hence the site, nomtvf.com. But the, the idea is, is that, yes, it's out there, and, and people have been using it. And I, I mean, I, there's so many stories, there's so many ways that if you compare the time-to-failure data or a, a system model – that incorporates the raw data, the time to failures that you're actually seeing and recording, you're spending all this money to gather. And even if it's just repair tickets in a simple CMMS system, right? You can use that to get a reasonable estimate of what's going on in your facility and on your system. And 100%, if you take that, those basic incident tickets, calculate time and you grab that raw data, you can do a real basic reliability growth analysis or CROAMSA, and it'll give you a beta to tell you is reliability static, improving, or getting worse. Yep, exactly. At least that is better than MTBF. Now we can get into calculating reliability based on Weibull data and all that other stuff. Oh, that's that's a fun. Whole another level. Yeah, but 
yeah, step one, stop using M- MTBF. Just stop. Just it's it. It is just not useful. Now, one of the things I used to do is I'd go into a facility and they wanted to talk. I said, what's your measure? What do you use? MTBF. Or, and it says, why do you use that? Well, MTTF is only for, you know, it only fails once. We have complex systems, repair them, so we use MTBF. Okay. Why do you use that? And it's blank, right? So what, take out a piece of paper, write down what you think that number means. If I give you an MTBF at 50,000 hours, what does that mean? How will you use that information to do anything? You know, what does it mean? And one of them says that means a failure-free period to 50,000 hours. The next person said it was the 50 percentile average. It's 50% will fail on or before that, day, that duration. Um, others will say, We'll actually get it right. It's the 63rd percentile. Two thirds of your systems will, or items will fail up to that point in time. Others will say that's, it's meaningless. And I like them. I shake their hand. (laughs) (laughs) But the, the years and years ago, I did a, a presentation. I was in San Diego at some conference and I had an hour on the stage and just before I got up there, some guy asked me, says, so I've, I'm having trouble convincing other people about not using MTBF. And I want to use this, you know, time to failure information. The data we have already, I want to use Weibull analysis and other stuff. How do I do that? And then I was getting introduced. So I ran up on the stage and I said, I just got a question before I get started. And there's 150 reliability engineers in there. He says, how many of you have had trouble explaining what MTBF is to somebody? Everybody raised their hand, every single person. I said, all right, skip the presentation. I grabbed a white uh, butcher paper or stack of paper on the side of it. So, so what kinds of things have you guys run into? And we listed like 50 different ways. People misused it, misinterpreted it, lost money. You know, <laughs> this went on. And so yep. then we did that for a few minutes. They said, all right, what are we going to do about it? And part of it is talking about it. Part of it is saying, well, here's the other analysis. It's not that difficult. We can do a pro so We can do a just a simple plot of time versus cumulative failures for a repairable system. Um, we can do all kinds of techniques that are quick and easy on today's technology, the equipment we have, and we're gathering the data, which is the most frustrating part. Let's use it. And, yep. and actually improve our ability to make decisions, to, to discern is, is, do we need more spares or not? Do we invest in more equipment or not? And so on. It just, anyway, I'm going to get in a soapbox here if I haven't already. <laughs> no, you're, you're 100% right. There are so many other tools out there. If we're trying to analyze a specific component and we know the failure mode, so we're going to look towards something like a Weibull yeah. distribution and exactly. use that to help us understand what's going on. If we're looking at a complex system, the mean cumulative function plot or a CROAMSA, yep. it tells us, it may not give us the specific time things are occurring, but it's going to tell us, are we getting better or are we getting worse from a system perspective? And that's what some people just want to know. Are we getting better or worse? And the, the good thing, I one thing I really appreciate about a CROAMSA is you can put those multiple plots on there. So here's this trend line based on this data. And then we know at this day we made this change. And you so can now see we plot, the change. Yeah. And you see the slope change on the graph based on what you did and the, the dates. You know so what's you funny can make three is three or four changes and you can see all those things and it shows because you it's not an average. 
That's right. The Exactly. The, what's fascinating, and it's not hard to prove or show, is that if you have a system that has a, a spate of early failures, right? And it, it, maybe it's an, your startup or initiation or whatever, you're installing it and you, you've got troubles, issues for the first couple of months. Once you fix that and the system starts running well, the MTBF will actually get lower. Because it, it pivot, once you eliminate early failures, it's still an average out there. Now you pivot around this point that's way out there at the 63rd percentile. And so your, your apparent MTBF is getting worse, even though you're fixing issues. And so I thought, if it can't get much more obvious than that, that if you're counting an MTBF and you're getting what appears to be worse, although you're actually making progress, that's pretty frustrating to start with. Um, and so you will stop fixing early failures because the more of those you have, the lower your slope and the further out your MTBF will appear to, yep. because if you think you only got early failures, the MTBF number would be huge, but no, yep. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's so misleading. So and I think we kind of touched on it. So what, what should we be doing differently? We talked about viable. We talked about mean cumulative function plots. We talked about reliability growth or grow AMSs. Do we need to take a step back before we pick one of these tools and decide what are we trying to understand here first? What is the goal of measuring MTBF? Because if we understand that goal, we can figure out what might be a better approach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've got, say, two sets of bearings, two different vendors are providing you bearings and you're collecting data to that level, you know, why will plot between the two of them will show you which one's performing better than the other one in so many different ways that MTBF just can't, can't do. Um, yeah, it, it's not the tool for everything. It, it, it's like, what's that old joke where if, you know, the only tool I know how to use is a hammer, everything looks like a nail or something like yep. that. MTBF sort of has that routine going and it's not terribly useful for, well, I can't figure out anything that it's useful for. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard lots and lots of arguments for it. But it, I mean, even doing a histogram, get your data and put, make a histogram is much more informative than doing the average. Because if you look at a histogram, let's say you have 40 uh, tickets on a piece of equipment and you just put a histogram on it of the time to failure of these things, what's going on. You can get an average off that histogram, right? It's easy to point out there, but you also have the spread of the data. You also have the shape of the data. Is it getting worse with time or is it getting, are the arrivals of failures getting bigger with time or smaller with time? And it's similar to a Crow AMSA or a mean cumulative plot or whatever. So my first step is just plot it. Is plotting MTBF is boring because it's one point. <laughs> and then people say, well, I'm going to measure it every week and plot it every week. Is that a cumulative number or is that individual time spans? Each run gets its own MTBF. And even then, they're not comparable. No. They're just not you useful. Have different, especially in a manufacturing environment where you run in different products. Was it different crew operating? Was it before or after a maintenance outage? Like there's all these things that influence this number. That's right. And artificially change it to where you're you're chasing a fiction. So. Yep. Part of, you're exactly right, though. Is one is, what decision are you trying to make, right? And what will help me inform that? Is it a comparison? 
So maybe two uh, mean cumulative plots next to each other, or chromances next to each other, or two Weibels next to each other. What kind of data do I have? Is it single point failure, or am I aggregating to a, a, a machine or a piece of equipment that's complex, and I want to see what it's doing? Well, that's a different strategy, different set of tools. So the second, first step is just plot it. Well, what are you trying to do? Create a plot. Histogram is a great place to start. Or a mean cumulative function or whatever. Just plot it. See what it looks like. A lot of times that's enough. And then second, or, and then the next step is learn a little bit more. Go to the next page on the stats book that you put down years ago and go, well, what is a Weibull plot? What is a mean cumulative plot? What is these different things that we've been mentioning? And which one will apply for this situation? Yep. And so... And it's not terribly difficult to do any of those. We've got great tools out there. We've got great software packages. And there's enough people out there that and Ascendo Reliability has got webinars and podcasts and articles on these topics. You can learn how to do this. And then there's folks that will answer your questions and we'll do podcast episodes about them. Yep. <laughs> and well, so you can, you can learn this. And I think you have to correct me if I'm wrong, Fred, but I think years ago, we pulled together an ebook on this. It was using the maintenance data you have or something. And we talked about how you take that data to mean cumulative function plots. Then when do you want to use Weibull? When do you want to use Croams? Uh, how do you improve your data in your CMMS? And kind of linked all these things together. But I think it's centered around what are we trying to solve, right? If we don't understand what we're trying to solve, we can't pick the right tool. So if we just blanket statement everything MTBF, well, then, hey. We're not solving the, anything. We feel like we're turning the crank, but we're not. And that's right. the issue. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'll, have to, I'll send you that link to where that ebook is. It's still available. It's on the site. And it's a free download. So Yeah. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Any other parting words on MTBF? Oh, make sure you ask me that next time after my first cup of coffee. It's like, you get me. <laughs> <laughs> then I can really get into it. <laughs> Well, my parting words, don't use it. It's useless. If you don't believe me, go to nomtbf.com and there's all kinds of fun stuff there to support this, why it is not a good metric. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, I actually got um, a note from a professor. I think she was in Ohio, mechanical engineering professor in some university in Ohio. And she wrote to me and said she's using a collection of the articles as must as required reading off the no MTBF site for her mechanical engineering students. <laughs> See, you're, we're making headway little by little. Yeah. And I get success stories every now and then. So I'm feeling good that we're, we're getting there. We got a few more to go. A few more to go. We got to get some T-shirts made. Oh, that's the next step. I had buttons for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, well, Fred, before we before we depart, any anything you want to share with our listeners? Anything you got coming up in terms of webinars? I know you're not a big fan of getting on airplanes and going places right now, but conferences, no. webinars, anything like that? No, not really. I mean, we have our standard routine of webinars. Uh, Chris Jackson and I are, are putting them out about one every two weeks, roughly. And I, I think Chris's next one, as we're recording this, is going to be pretty soon. So I don't know if this will still apply, but we do record them. So they are still available. He's talking about uh, capability analysis. So I think he, last month he talked about SPC and kind of the fundamentals of how and why that works. And then uh, 
soon he's doing the one on capability analysis, and then I forget what else he's got after that. Um, and I'm drawing a complete blank on what I'm talking about. But we have a on Ascendo Reliability, there's a, a webinar tab with live events. And we do two things. One is, is we have our own webinars we offer, uh, but we don't advertise or promote just ours. Uh, every month we list, we search 30 to 40 different sites that do reliability-related webinars of one sort or another. And we send out an email. I think our last one had, I think, 35 different events for the month of April. So we can get on that list and you get one email and you get the uh, summary of all the events that are going on in 30 different organizations. And so you're bound to find one or more events that you'd like to do. So that, that would be a, a plug for that system. All right. Excellent. Well, Fred, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us about MTBF and its evil ways. We'll continue to, <laughs> to spread the word of how evil it is. I go. definitely appreciate you taking the time today. All right. Happy to be here, James. Always a pleasure. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing the small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.